When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. episode of Purple Insider, Matthew Collar here along with intern Haley English, who is just coming off dropping some hot, hot fire in her most recent article. Actually, Haley, it goes back to a conversation we had last week about the NFC quarterbacks, and uh, you ranked the NFC quarterbacks, only you included Lamar Jackson just to ignite the internet as much as you could. So what is going on? How are you? I'm doing well. Yeah, I liked uh, ranking these quarterbacks because there's not a lot of great ones right now in the NFC. It's a lot of mediocrity um, and new names. So, yeah, it was kind of a fun thing. But the interesting thing about it is that despite the mediocrity, despite the fact that you could go through this whole list and maybe there's not a single Hall of Famer, and then if you just peek over at the AFC, there might be four Hall of Famers over in the AFC – and even the average quarterbacks are pretty good. It's like Deshaun Watson is not even considered a great AFC quarterback. And just a couple of years ago, he was thought of to be an elite quarterback in the NFL. It's amazing how quickly things have changed. But the fundamental question was, if we put Lamar Jackson into the NFC, where would he rank? Like, How would that look? Because naturally, although it, things change quickly, but Vikings fans, when they got a little sniff of one ESPN reporter suggesting the Vikings could go after Lamar Jackson, it was like, uh, you know, riding that high until a Hendon Hooker mock draft came out and then they got to fight with each other about that. But if Lamar Jackson was in the NFC with this group of quarterbacks, uh, where would he sit? Like, how would that look in comparison to the other quarterbacks in the NFC? Yeah, he'd easily be one of the best quarterbacks in the conference right now um, in our ranking that we did. So, like, the score that um, we came up with, uh, he would have the fourth best – or he would be the fourth best quarterback right now in the NFC behind Brock Purdy, Jalen Hurts, and Dak Prescott. And that's mostly due to his EPA per play. It was fourth best um, if you stack it up against all the NFC quarterbacks since 2020. Again, that doesn't include his MVP season. Um, and he hasn't kind of been the same player ever since. He's been riddled with injuries and everything. So um, hopefully he can get back to like where he was. Um, he, he's also had the seventh best EPA per pass. So obviously he's a much better runner than passer. But again, the Ravens surrounded him with like awful receiving weapons. So if you stack up all his receivers from last year um, against all the NFC, they were the 12th best in terms of PFF grade. Um, so yeah, the Ravens haven't done the best to give Lamar the weapons he needs, but they have had the second best offensive line. If you look at it compared to the NFC. So if you give him like a great receiving core and couple it with a good offensive line, um, he will easily be one of the best quarterbacks in the conference. Right. And I should explain that your rankings, what we attempted to do was to combine the supporting cast 
and the value of the supporting cast with the quarterback and their EPA. So when you say Brock Purdy was the best, you don't think that Brock Purdy is like Patrick Mahomes, but he kind of played that way when he had a great offensive line, great weapons, great play caller and Kyle Shanahan, which we didn't really try to you know figure out, but that's baked in to the performances of those other players. And with uh, Lamar Jackson, what really blew my mind is that last year, his highest graded wide receiver that actually got a decent amount of targets ranked 58th in the NFL uh, by PFF grade. I mean, think about how different that is from the other NFC quarterbacks like Brock Purdy, who's got Debo Samuel and all pro Brandon Ayuk, who is exploded onto the scene in Philly. Jalen Hurts has two elite wide receivers. Kirk Cousins has the best wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, even Dak Prescott, whose supporting cast was not as good as the others, still has CD Lamb. And here's Lamar Jackson throwing to a tight end and XFL wide receivers. And, and I think that we can eyeball that one and say that if he was dropped into playing with a Justin Jefferson, like that, that's a good question. Like how much value would it be the difference between playing with Justin Jefferson and playing with an average mediocre to bad receiving core? I actually liked looking at this because if we drop Lamar into, let's say, the Vikings and the Lions um, into their situations compared to where the Ravens were, he's actually like going to be exactly the same just because the Lions and Vikings don't have the offensive lines that the Ravens do. They do have better receivers, obviously, but the offensive line compared to the Ravens is like 15 points lower in PFF grade average. Um, so it's kind of hard to predict because he would be going into such a different situation. And I don't know how he would do with like kind of a bad offensive line. Um, so yeah, the only teams where his score like that we calculated would be higher on would be the 49ers, the Eagles and the Cowboys, um, where Purdy hurts and uh, Prescott are right now. So I think the interesting thing about that is can we truly separate offensive line performance from the quarterback? Because when you're talking about the lions and the Vikings, you have Jared Goff and Kirk cousins who are the most immobile quarterbacks in the NFL. I guarantee I've joked that I'm faster, but that's not true. You're a good athlete. You actually might be. I mean, neither one of those guys can move at all. So it's like drop straight back and whatever pressure happens, happens with Lamar, that's very different. And at least from the Vikings perspective, they were good in terms of run blocking grade last year. So that might boost it up even if the, like Lamar Jackson can make up for those problems, but he can't make up for having receivers who can't catch the ball or get open. So I think that like by the numbers, yeah, that's what it says, but also kind of common sense is if there's pressure up the middle, Lamar just runs away and does something with the football where it impacts Kirk Cousins. But I think that you know, even though the offensive line is problematic for him, Jefferson brings it up. So Cousins plus his supporting cast is still very good. And I think that was another thing to look at as well is that one of the reasons the Vikings can't just sort of rip it all apart, aside from making Justin Jefferson very unhappy in a year where they want him to sign a contract extension is because they know that as of right now, if Lamar was not in the NFC or does not end up in the NFC, Cousins on your ranking list ends up fourth, which you're kind of right there, like right there in, in position. Although with Goff, you did three years. So two of his years were bad. Uh, and last year he, he was very, very good. But even if we still kind of factor for that, th there's a good chance he's a top five quarterback in the NFC. So you could see where the Vikings would not want to just trade him away 
and play Nick Mullins for the year and win three games. Exactly. Like Kirk Cousins, he was above average in the NFC with obviously Brady and Rodgers, like kind of done with the NFC and leaving. Um, yeah, Kirk, uh, from the past three seasons, he had the sixth best EPA per play. Um, that's actually tied with Derek Carr. Um, so I kind of found that interesting because they are kind of similar quarterbacks. Um, and then he also had the fifth best EPA per pass. So slightly better because he's obviously not a running quarterback. Um, and he did that with the third worst offensive line um, last season um, only. So, yeah, their guards were awful at pass blocking, um, both. Uh, Cleveland and Ingram had pass blocking grades of like 55 and below, which is kind of something you don't want to see in an offensive line for pass blocking, but they were good at run blocking. So it's kind of like, what do you do with them? Um, but yeah, Kirk Cousins had the fifth best wide receivers um, losing Thielen. That really doesn't bring that down for next year because he was declining. He was kind of below average and you're replacing him with uh, the next guy up on the list, I think was Josh Oliver. Um, who you brought in, who was kind of graded the same as Thielen. So not the biggest difference. Right. And how much Josh Oliver plays or has an impact. And, you know, they just signed Brandon Powell, who's like an end of the bench kind of punt returner receiver. And we're still wondering, are they going to draft someone? Are they going to add somebody else to that list? Or do they plan on just playing big personnel, which we'll talk about a little later with CJ Ham, and then having Justin Jefferson and KJ Osborne. Don't really love that plan, but there is still a big hole there um, that, Last year, Adam Thielen's decline, I think, hurt Kirk Cousins quite a bit in comparison to previous years. But one thing that is fascinating about your list and very, very telling is Matthew Stafford, Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, Daniel Jones. A lot of these NFC quarterbacks are so impacted by what is around them. And you see from you, you pointed out in your write up about Matthew Stafford, where in the Super Bowl year, he's one of the most valuable quarterbacks in the league. And then one year later, when his offensive line falls apart, Cooper Cup is hurt. He's banged up. Then he's like a, a total replacement level quarterback, which I think is what we saw in Detroit from him, where there would be really good years for their offense and then years where they struggled a lot. But I think that we can really pinpoint now just when you have an OK quarterback who's good enough, it really depends on what's around him. So if Darren Waller has a huge impact, or we saw it really with Brian Dable and, and Daniel Jones. I think that there was a lot of examples of this in the NFC. Yeah, definitely. Stafford was the weirdest one um, on this list, just because if you take away last season, he'd probably be at the top of the list. Um, he had a negative 0.06 EPA per play last season. That's like kind of towards the bottom of the list. I don't know how many quarterbacks are actually above that. Um, and he did that with the worst offensive line. They had averaged a 53.3 pass blocking grade. That's like God awful. Um, you don't want any of that in an offensive line. And that's kind of a fall from the graces. I know the whole Rams team kind of did that. Um, but Stafford did take a step back and he kind of needs that offensive line and the continuity that's not injured there. So he was definitely a weird one. And then Daniel Jones, yeah, he was ranked 13th on this list um, with a score of 28.1. Um, but he did have a great – I wouldn't say great. It was like an okay last season. Uh, he did good running the ball. Again, not great throwing the ball. Um, but I think a lot of that comes from Brian Dable, which we kind of didn't account for in this. Um, so, yeah, definitely a weird thing with the NFC quarterbacks. Now, what about the wild cards? Uh, your vicious hate for Justin Fields has been chronicled on the show. I'm just kidding. But, you know, the Internet, if you say any reason to criticism, it's like, why do you hate my favorite thing? 
Um, or people who are totally uncriticized at all say like, man, I'm just showing, I'm just proving the haters. Like, wait, no one even hates you. Uh, but aside from that, um, Justin Fields, his supporting cast has improved, but has it improved a lot or enough for us to get a good idea if Justin Fields can be a success. And then there's other guys too, that, you know, are unproven Jordan love, Sam Howell, Baker Mayfield, Oh, Baker Mayfield, to some extent, you know, we kind of don't know. But all of these guys could be impacted by what's around him quite a bit. Like Baker Mayfield could suddenly look average again because he's got a couple of good receivers. But I'm not sure that Justin Fields, it's enough with the offensive line to to give it, to, to like really truly protect him as much as he might need with a guy who holds on to the ball that long. So what did you make of some of those quarterbacks that there are major question marks about? Yeah, we'll start with Justin Fields just because I – he always ends up at the bottom of my rankings, not even try. Like his stats are just bad. Like, and people give me criticism for it, but I'm like, I can't help his stats. I'm just kind of showing what's there. Um, but yeah, on this list, uh, he was the worst quarterback in terms of EPA per play, worst quarterback in terms of uh, passing EPA per play, even below like a Desmond Ritter who kind of really had a bad second half of the season when he actually started. Um, Justin Fields offensive line was not great last season and it's, projected to again not be great next season I think it's projected to be the second worst out of the NFC still with adding uh I forgot who they add Nate um, Davis I think was the yeah, guard. yeah yeah um including him so yeah I don't know they like they need more pieces on that offensive line especially if he's going to be a successful running quarterback like Lamar Jackson um their receiving grade did go up um he did have the worst receivers last season they averaged a 63.7 receiving grade um next season they did add DJ Moore. That boosted that up to a 69.2. That's still a little below average. And likely, like, they need to add more if they want to find out if Justin Fields is the guy. And I don't see him taking the biggest step forward this season just because they, again, haven't added the pieces they kind of need um, yet so far. If you look at someone like Jordan Love, I feel so bad for Jordan Love because the Packers have left him with zero receivers. I know this is like a Vikings podcast, but I, like I want to see him do well just because I feel bad for him that he had to sit for his first three seasons after Rodgers had two MVP ones. Um, so, yeah, but he's got Christian Watson, and that's about it. Um, his or The Packers PFF receiving grade next season is projected to be the worst in the NFL at 65.2. That's just above what the Panthers have, and they traded away DJ Moore, and all they really have is Adam Thielen. So, yeah, Jordan Love will have probably the second-best offensive line in the NFC, but some of the worst receivers. And, again, that's the same thing with Andy Dalton and the new Panthers quarterback. will have a decent offensive line, but they're not set up for any sort of receiving success. Yeah, a fascinating development this year was just the extreme lack of available wide receivers in free agency. If you have a group of wide receivers that you need to improve, you better be doing it through the draft. And as far as doing it right away, who knows? And that's, you know, people were making fun of Adam Thielen for saying the Panthers are a Super Bowl contender. They're certainly not right now. I mean, not even close. But if they draft Bryce Young, if they draft CJ Stroud, and then have receivers develop or then can spend that money in free agency next year on whatever receivers come out or make a big trade. They possibly could be because they've been drafting defense for a while and so forth, but not right now, not with that group of wide receivers. Um, The fields thing is interesting because I think that it majorly swings on chase Claypool 
the original version that we saw of Chase Claypool was really good in Pittsburgh and then just never repeated itself. And I think that if there's one misstep from Ryan Poles so far in his young career as a GM, it's trading a second round pick for him when I don't know if anybody else in the world is giving up a second round pick for someone Pittsburgh wants to get rid of. Usually if Pittsburgh likes a guy, they keep them. And there's a reason that they let them go like <clears throat> Antonio Brown, for, for example. But I am a little intrigued, I have to say. And I know that no one else in the world is by Sam Howell because Sam Howell was talked about as the potential number one quarterback, uh, you know, two years ago. And then he drops to the fifth round. But then Washington really likes him. And I tend to have just just a little bit of trust for coaches. Like they've seen how he operates behind the scenes. He looks pretty comfortable in his one game that he played. And I actually think if, you know, with Terry McLaurin there, they've got some weapons for him to work with. Like, would you be shocked if that's the guy we're going, hey, no one saw it coming with Sam Howell? Yeah, definitely. I I like the situation he's in. Um, he's the 12th best quarterback like ranked on this list, including his supporting cast, which are he's got an average offensive line and a little above average receivers um, going into next season. So I wouldn't be surprised if he becomes like an average quarterback, maybe like a Jimmy Garoppolo type of quarterback this upcoming season with what receivers he has around him. But I definitely like how they kind of set him up for at least decent success and better success than Jordan Love and um, the Panthers quarterbacks are set up for right now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're right about Jordan Love. And that was the one thing that was not talked about a whole lot with Aaron Rodgers last year is that their offensive line really did fade. For the first time in a while, they have had great pass blocking. And there are certain quarterbacks who are more impacted than others. And I think Rodgers used to be a guy who wasn't hurt as much by it, but now is, which uh, we'll talk about Rodgers and the Jets. And if it's happening at some point a little later in the show, but make sure you check that article out. Purpleinsider.com. Really, really well written. Haley, you're doing super cool analytical stuff. And I thought this was a great spin on just quarterback rankings in general, trying to statistically add in the context, which we, we always kind of just eyeball it, but you were able to actually put numbers to it. Uh, I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about the Vikings and where they stand right now, because I was looking at, DraftKings Super Bowl odds. And uh, let's just say that they're not all that particularly kind to the Minnesota Vikings at this moment. They just do not see the gamblers right now don't see the Vikings as any sort of Super Bowl contender. Uh, how would you stack them up? In fact, they're actually quite a bit behind the Detroit Lions. So you could tell me if you think that that's fair. Uh, how would you stack the Vikings up right now? Let's say they didn't make any other moves. This is the team. This is your roster. You're going forward uh, for next year. Where would you put them in your Super Bowl odds? So I definitely have them below the Lions just because Jared Goff had basically almost this, a very similar season to Kirk Cousins last season. And the Lions added an entire defense over free agency. And they've got picks to even make that any better. Um, so yeah, I definitely think the Lions will probably win the division. Um, I do think the Vikings can uh, challenge for a wild card spot. I, right now, I have them behind the uh, Cowboys, the Eagles, probably the Saints, um, the, definitely the 49ers, and then maybe the Seahawks and Giants. So I think that puts the Vikings kind of challenging for that wild card spot. Um, obviously, they do need to add cornerbacks and a defense. Um, likely, I guess, through the draft now um, and hopefully a replacement at guard. Um, I don't know. I'm not the biggest offensive line person, but 
Ed Ingram's stats aren't the best, um, especially in terms of pass blocking. So I think that's kind of what they need to do going forward. But I've got them behind those teams right now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You are so nice to say aren't the best. Uh, he allowed the most sacks ever in the PFF era for a guard. So, <laughs> yeah. And and look, I mean, these players develop, right? So you're talking about a rookie, but even with a big jump, you might be able to approach average unless it's one of the biggest turnarounds that we've ever seen. And that's the thing is that when you talk about the weaknesses of the Vikings roster, and you included this in your write-up as well, that you know, there's just not an opportunity to fix them. Like that's that that's always the issue. Is if you were concerned about the way Ed Ingram played last year or Ezra Cleveland in pass blocking, he was very good at run blocking. But if you're concerned about that, there's nothing you can do about it. There's just no like, oh, we'll just spend a bunch of money. Whereas the Lions, there was big concerns about their secondary, and there was a lot they could do about it. And so here's another interesting part, too, about those two franchises is they both actually have expensive quarterbacks, but the Lions were able to spend all this money because they had high draft picks that they hit on that are still like remarkably cheap at this moment. Aiden Hutchinson is becoming a star, and he's cheap. Penny Sewell, Amon Ross St. Brown. like This is what happened to the Vikings in 2017 with Daniil Hunter, Stephon Diggs, you know, those guys, and Eric Hendricks. Like They were all cheap, and they're all playing huge roles on their team. And yeah, I think that like this is the fundamental issue that Vikings fans have with where the team is right now is the way that you just talked about them is the way we always talk about them going into a season is like, well, you know, maybe if they had this or maybe if this or that goes right or whatever, then they can be some sort of contender. But it's kind of hard to see unless something else happens for this team. Yeah, definitely. And I think the NFC is going to be a little weird this season because the Packers are going kind of downhill with Rodgers gone and the Buccaneers, even though they weren't great last year, like Brady's gone. So if you take those two teams out of the equation, like those two teams are going to challenge for playoff spots with those two quarterbacks. So I think Baker Mayfield's not going to get it done. They're not, he's not going to lead the Buccaneers to an immediate playoff um, berth. And I don't think Jordan Love with what he has around him on the Packers right now are really going to lead him to any sort of wild card or division title or anything. So that's why I think the Vikings have a little more of a shot than they may realize. So, uh, okay, then tell me how they could get there. Like, what is the, there isn't, it's hard with a move, right? Because uh, mm-hmm. the one move that could get them there would be if they get Lamar Jackson, then you're probably a favorite in the entire NFC. Is there anything else they could do? Let's just say, let's just take the cap situation off the table and assume that they could make the cap space if they really wanted to. And there's a few more buttons they could push if they were absolutely desperate. Is there something they could do that would make you go, well, maybe, because like you said, it's not a conference that is super terrifying. Exactly. I actually threw out Derek Henry's name. Um, I don't know entirely like how good he's going to be because he's, I don't want to say he's on the decline, but like he's getting up there in age and everything. But 
he's proven that he's an amazingly talented running back. And I don't think he'd be that expensive, but obviously you'd have to give up some draft capital for that. Or you can swap him for Dalvin Cook. I don't know. Um, That's kind of interesting thing. Or like, what if you traded the farm away for Patrick Peterson or not Patrick Peterson? Who's the Patrick Sertan? Yeah. Him from from the Broncos. So trading like something away for some star player on defense is kind of the, like the move I thought of. Yeah. I that, no, that's a good point that there's probably only two ways you could go. Now you bring up Derrick Henry and I'm sure that half the audience went like what a running back. <laughs> However, when you look at the numbers and I'm sure that you have when it comes to their rushing EPA, it was horrific last year, not just bad, horrific, like one of the worst in the league. Now, Henry might be just as washed as Delvin Cook. So that doesn't seem like it's, but we don't, we don't really know if you were given peak Derrick Henry. And I guess that would be the point. If you were given peak Derrick Henry, then you would be talking about maybe 50, 60 point difference from where they were last year. And that would take their offense. If you added 50 points to their offense last year, then you would have been talking about a top five offense. And, and and that's people have asked me about like drafting B. John Robinson or something. And I'm completely against drafting running backs and so forth. But if they can repeat what they did passing wise and improve in the running game, then they do have a chance to be better than they were last year. So I think that's a legitimate point, but the problem that you still end up getting held up on is Byron Murphy should help them a little but you still have so many questions in that secondary. And even then too, like we're just assuming Lewis seen is going to start, but we don't know if he's going to be good. Harrison Smith is returning. We don't know if he's going to be able to kind of be better. We, we think so, but he's also in his mid thirties. That's the one holdup is you end up saying, look at their schedule next year of quarterbacks. How can you improve the defense enough to convince me that you're going to be able to get deep in the playoffs? Exactly. Like the defense, like, the big saying, like, defense wins championships, like, I 100% believe that. Like, you saw what the Patriots have done in all of their Super Bowls. They have, like, the number one or top five defense every single time. Um, so, yeah, the Vikings, they need secondary players. Again, like like you said, Byron Murphy, he's going to be good. Like, he's definitely a good add for that defense, but you've got to get another player, ideally, like, a really strong um, coverage defender out there. Yeah, I guess the way I look at that is – your offense is going to get you there ultimately, but you probably need to win at least one game with your defense to get to the Super Bowl. All right. And obviously Philly did this because they hurt the other team's quarterback. Um, but they also demolished Daniel Jones in Philadelphia with their defense. They didn't even have to have a great offensive performance in that game. Uh, so I, I think that that does kind of hold true that even when the Rams or the Bengals got to the Super Bowl, the Bengals had to pick off Ryan Tannehill a couple of times. The Rams had to make big stops in the Super Bowl specifically because their offense went cold for half of the game. Like you can't have a defense that is just so porous, it falls apart. And even Atlanta, the one team that went to the Super Bowl with a horrendous defense, which was Atlanta, they got up 28 to three and then their defense couldn't hold the Patriots down. So yeah, I, I agree with that. You have to at least be good or at least be good enough to get hot. And I don't think that they've been able to do enough so far this offseason with Davenport, with Murphy, and bringing back Harrison Smith to say confidently, oh, it's going to be way, way better uh, than it was last year. So I think that the gamblers are probably fair, but they shouldn't be 
done, if they're trying to win this year, which they've done weird things with the cap to kind of insinuate they are, then they should they should still be looking for uh, potential improving moves. Which, by the way, they extended their fullback. Now, let me ask you a question, Haley. So it, in, in my lifetime, I have seen the fullback become a dinosaur. Uh, <laughs> as, a, as a youth for me, fullbacks were like a big deal. Every team had them. They ran all the time. And, uh, you know, they were Lorenzo Neal plowing through for LaDainian Tomlinson or whatever. You know, the, whatever. These guys played a lot. Uh, what does the fullback mean to you? Because you just in your time watching football, you have seen this role basically dissipate into almost nothing outside of one or two teams. Exactly. Like the only teams that I kind of see like really use a fullback well would be the 49ers, Kyle Yushek and the Ravens with uh, Ricard, I believe. So mm-hmm. I feel like if you have a good fullback and have a good scheme for him, like and can somehow incorporate him, then like great. Um, but teams that like, I don't think it's a position that's of need for really anyone. I don't think there's necessarily like a great benefit to having one on the roster. Like I'll take the jets, for example, they just resigned their fullback and I don't think he took one snap on offense last season. So I'm like, why are you wasting a roster spot for someone that's not going to do anything? Um, so it kind of goes both ways. If you have a great scheme for a fullback, then great. Use the fullback, pay him a little bit of money to score a touchdown on the one yard line here and there. But if you don't see a need for one, then like, don't even bother. Yeah. I think probably just special teams for a lot of, uh, and that was part of the extension for CJ ham. He played 360 special team snaps last year, which is, you know, a lot that adds up over a season. If you're playing on every single unit, your special teams coach is going to want that guy. But as far as on the offense, CJ Ham was used on less than a hundred run plays last year. I think it was 91 the year before it was well over 200 because the Kubiaks love their fullbacks. Uh, do you have, before I d- dive more into this, how they can use him more. Um, do you, is there a favorite jets fullback that you have, or are they just not relevant enough? Cause I mean, they used to have one named Fred Baxter who was pretty awesome. And Fred Baxter is a great fullback name, but I, I don't even know if you would have a favorite fullback. And no, I couldn't tell you the name of any of the Jets fullbacks. They have Nick Bauden right now, and I I don't even know who came before him. So yeah, they had uh, John Connor, who they called the Terminator. Which is a uh, you ever seen Terminator movie? No, no. Yeah. Got to watch it. You got to watch it. It's great. It's if you're if you're sci fi ish at all, Terminator is amazing. Uh, anyhow, so I think that we what we were talking about with your supremely galaxy brain they should trade for derrick henry and actually run the football successfully i think that that is part of the reason why they're bringing back cj ham that they want to run the ball better and the other thing is too that they just were not able to get teams to bite on play action last year i think that's a big part of it um kevin o'connell at the combine mentioned that teams were playing like deep shell coverages to try to stop justin jefferson more against them than anybody else in the league like i do think that if you have a competent guy the opposing defense never faces this and doesn't really know what to do with it so i think o'connell as he looks himself in the mirror has to say okay we're probably not getting a superstar number two wide receiver like how do we be different and as funny as it might seem, you kind of have to go back to what they were doing a little bit before with using more two wide receivers and then the bigger personnel. Yeah, definitely. I like what you said about the biting on play action because 
like no one was scared of the Vikings running attack last season. Like Dalvin Cook has slowly been declining and the offensive line again wasn't amazing. I mean, like it was okay in run blocking, but if you have an okay like run blocking offensive line, you should be good at running the ball. And for some reason the Vikings just couldn't get anything going there. And then teams start like doubling up on Josh and Jefferson because they're not afraid of the run game. So if they can find a way to use CJ Ham and try to make the run game a little more scary then I think it's worth bringing him back. And the other thing I noticed was in the data that they, in 2021, lined up CJ Ham in line like at the line of scrimmage a lot. And that was something that Kevin O'Connell basically didn't try at all. So you can, you can use a lot of different packages, things like that with a fullback, even if that player isn't a weapon, but the other team has to take it seriously because he will just run over your nickel corner if you keep a nickel out there. So do you put an extra linebacker? Like, I think that oh, that was one of the things that O'Connell should be looking at much more this year is if it's so rare that someone even has a competent fullback. If you have one, find a way to use them. And I think that's part of the extension. Um, let's see. Okay. So I also want to talk to you about this. Uh, did you see the Josh McCown video? Yeah. Where you may have spilled the beans. We, we, we are Josh McCown appreciators here on the show. You are uh, from seeing him with the jets, but uh, Josh has to understand there's microphones everywhere. So when he tells CJ Stroud, can't wait to play basketball with you in Charlotte, um, maybe that <laughs> spilled the beans of who they're going to draft. I want to hear your hot takes though on the quarterbacks this year. I mean, who do you think should go number one? If you particularly like, or don't like one of these quarterback prospects, like it is the season to have, extremely overconfident opinions on quarterbacks in the draft. So let's hear yours. Okay, cool. So since the Jets are not drafting a quarterback this year, I'm not extremely like, I haven't looked into them as much as like I would have if they were drafting one. Um, But I feel like I've always been Bryce Young number one overall. I don't entirely know why I always think that, but I just feel like that's my consensus like ever since the college football season. Um, so I think it could go I think it could go either way between Shroud and Young, but I think they're going to go 1-2 to the Panthers and the Texans. I actually I'll, I'll make a hot take and I don't think the Colts are going to draft a quarterback at 4. I think they're going to put themselves directly into the Caleb Williams and um, Drake May sweepstakes. I don't think they want to waste a year trying to develop an Anthony Richardson and I really don't understand the hype with Will Levis other than that he can like throw really hard so um I don't think the Colts will draft a quarterback and I'd also think that the Lions will go with Richardson at six um I don't think the Cardinals will draft one either like they'll put themselves right in the Williams and May sweepstakes um but I think Richardson needs some developing so I think sitting behind Jared Goff could be good uh and then final quarterback hot take is I think Levis is gonna fall all the way to the Buccaneers at 19. I don't think he's going to pan out um, well at all. Uh, I feel like he's kind of a Zach Wilson type of quarterback. Well, he'll have like a great throw and everyone will be hooked on that. Almost like what Cam Newton just did the other day at uh, the Auburn pro day. Um, But yeah, I think he's the biggest candidate to bust in the draft. And I think the Buccaneers will probably take a chance on him. He's still sitting there at 19. That is uh, okay. So you brought some flames there to the, to the conversation. Interesting enough, uh, by the way, and this is this might be your next assignment um, for writing wise because 
Charles Davis, and it doesn't matter. Mocks don't matter, of course. They don't tell us what's really going to happen exactly. But he just did a mock where he has Will Levis dropping and the Vikings picking him. And we had a Hendon Hooker mock the other day. And so I think we need a little more investigation into Will Levis because I watched a couple of games of Will Levis. And I think you would have had to tell me that he was a prospect if I didn't know it because he didn't really look like it to me the way that he played. I felt the same way about Desmond Ritter. When I saw the tape guys being like, does this Desmond Ritter, man, he's the top quarterback in the draft. I was like, what? I, I, I never saw it when I was watching him. So, but also there is an argument to say that, look, any quarterback that the Vikings draft is a good idea just on its face. And I don't know if there's a great way that we could predict if someone is going to succeed or fail. So I would probably have to say it was a good idea, even if I have the same reservations about it as you do. Yeah, I think... I didn't include – I forgot about Hennon Hooker. But um, I think him to the Vikings wouldn't be horrible. Um, they do – like, if they want to win now this season, like, don't draft a quarterback in the first round, obviously. Um, don't do what the Packers did. <laughs> but um, I think letting Hooker develop, especially because he's coming off of, I think, ACL, right? Um, so, yeah. I think letting a quarterback develop could be great if he falls, like, pretty far, like, almost like – how uh, the Liberty uh, Malik Willis kind of fell, but I never thought he was going to be great anyway. So um, I understand why he fell, but if hooker falls kind of further than what everyone's expecting and the Vikings were able to pick him up pretty late in the draft, then I'd say go for it. Yeah. That is a different conversation. If they were, it's like all about the value. If you can get hooker later, but then in my mind, if he's only a third round prospect, like what are we doing here? You know, you want to go all in on your next big guy. And that was, that is the thing about Levis is if you pick him, you can develop him for a year, but you can also know after a year. So you can have him around your team. You can have him in practice and you can either go like, we've got our guy or, uh Oh, we drafted the wrong guy. And, and, you know, maybe it ends up like a Paxton Lynch situation or something who's getting benched regularly in the XFL these days. If, uh, if you've been paying attention to that, which I know everyone has. So, well, I, I mean, I love your, uh, your overly confident takes as we all should have at this time. Here's one. I, I didn't ask you to prep this, but maybe you can search your memory bank. Did, did you have a take from the past on quarterbacks that turned out to be absurdly wrong or, or like hilariously right. Even though, it, you know, we're all just guessing. Um, I thought the Browns were making a mistake drafting Baker Mayfield over Sam Darnold. Um, number one overall, <laughs> mostly because I wanted Baker as a Jets fan. And I was kind of disappointed when the report came out like a couple hours before the draft that they were going to draft Baker. Um, but I actually think that was the right decision um, because Darnold was kind of awful um, but just in general, I think quarterbacks like need to sit for a year after they're drafted. Like Trevor Lawrence didn't have a great rookie season and came out and was this kind of amazing quarterback in his second season. Zach Wilson was always horrible. Patrick Mahomes sat behind Alex Smith for I think almost a year. Um, so I really think like you need to sit behind a quarterback and learn the offense before you just kind of are thrown out there. Yeah, and I think that's a great argument for the Vikings picking one this year in any way that they can toward the top. And it has to be a first-round prospect in my mind, but you can really try to set them up for the most success. Uh, that 2018 draft is one that just sort of lives in infamy for everybody because I, w I wasn't a huge fan of Baker Mayfield. 
wasn't a huge fan of Sam Darnold because he turned the ball over like crazy in college. And then everyone's like, oh, no, it's no big deal. Yeah, no, it is a big deal. Oh. If you throw lots of interceptions in college, this is the same thing with Jameis Winston. Everyone's like, nah, it'll be fine. Like, no, it's not. <laughs> like, you shouldn't throw any interceptions really in college. Um, and loved Lamar Jackson as a prospect, wanted the Vikings to take him. He turns out to be a star was totally against Josh Allen was totally for Josh Rosen. So that's, you know, the, the best evidence I get to be, depending on which parts of the story I tell, I get to be a genius or a fool. And that's every single draft with quarterbacks, which is what makes it so interesting. Um, my best, my best though, was that when Mahomes was drafted by the chiefs, I tweeted Mahomes will be the best quarterback in this draft. And here we are. So again, you can pick and choose and make yourself pretty smart or pretty Mm -hmm. silly. Um, But, and that's why, even though you and I both feel the same way about Will Levis, if they took him, I'd be like, okay, all in, like, that's a great pick because Mm -hmm. at least you've got a shot at having that quarterback turn into a star. Uh, Two quick things, or I guess really one more quick thing. How are you feeling about Rodgers? He's not on your team yet. He's not a New York Jet yet. And now, like, this has become a, if we've got nothing else to talk about on ESPN, you guys just want to yell at each other about Rodgers and the Jets <laughs> and who has leverage for, like, five minutes? Perfect. Uh, how are you feeling? Is that going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Is he going to quit and be a life coach in Venezuela? Or what's going to happen here? Uh, no. he's like He will be on the Jets at some point. I just don't know when it will be. They just traded Elijah Moore, um, which I have his jersey. <laughs> like he's, he's the only active Jet I have who I had his jersey. Um, so that wasn't the best. Um, but I get it. I understand like he was – I don't want to say team cancer, but like kind of because he requested a trade in the middle of like a five-game win streak. So I I get it. Like the Jets didn't believe in him, and they just signed McCall Hardman too. But they did – like move up from the third round to the second round to like in the more trade. So now they have back-to-back second round picks. And I think one of those will go to the Rogers trade. There's no way Joe Douglas is giving up number 13. Like he's not. Um, I think like, so like my proposed trade right now is that the Jets will get Rogers and then some late round pick for Corey Davis. I have them throwing in Corey Davis. Um, a second round pick. So either like one of the two second rounds they have back to back right now in this draft. And then a fourth in 2023, that could be like become a third if they make like the AFC championship game that can become a second if they make the Super Bowl. So something like that, um, I think will be the trade. I just think the Packers are very hung up on getting pick number 13 right now in the draft, but the Jets know they kind of need that to draft an an offensive lineman. Um, So I think that's the biggest standstill now, but like I, I feel bad for Jordan Love again in this scenario because he's not like he's officially not the Packers starting quarterback until roster or until Rodgers leaves that roster. And I feel like he kind of might get mad at the organization for like letting this drag on so far um, because they know they are moving on to him and kind of have made that clear. But I think it might give him a look a little bad taste in his mouth if they just don't trade Rodgers anytime soon. I think that both of the teams are so motivated to get this done that they will, uh, but it could just take a while. Like there, there is really no hurry. They probably got another month. I'm sure that uh, the Packers are going to want immediate draft capital. So you can run it all the way up until then and have these negotiations. But at the end of the day, 
Rodgers is not playing another snap for the Packers. The Jets have already made it very clear, like wink, wink, nod, nod on their social media. Mm -hmm. And also there is a rumor that Odell Beckham is interested mm -hmm. in the Jets. I guarantee you Odell Beckham would not be interested in the Jets if he's talking about playing with Zach Wilson yeah. or, uh, you know, Kellen Clemens or whoever, Ray Lucas, whoever you have there uh, other than potentially Aaron Rodgers. So I, this is going to happen, but I just want to make you a little nervous if possible <laughs> about this situation because you are so excited. Uh, before we wrap up, any Vikings questions for me? Okay. So I've got one. It's kind of the, what's the, funniest like Vikings fail or something of a play. So like the Jets have the butt fumble. The Colts have that play where they lined up a center and I don't even know if it was a quarterback and they just got tackled by the Patriots and the Cowboys did the same thing against the 49ers. And like the Patriots have that like Jacoby Myers throwing directly to Chandler Jones and running it back for a touchdown. So do you have anything for the Vikings like that? Oh gosh. Uh, well, you do have a 27 yard field goal from Blair Walsh that would have won a playoff game. And then, so there's always like funny little tentacles to all these stories. And then the next year in training camp, Blair Walsh did not kick any field goals from 27 yards during training camp. And I don't know if that was his request kind of knowing him a tiny bit from covering him. Maybe it was just cause he was a very sensitive kicker. So that that's pretty funny. Uh, one of the great fails that they had was it, it also involves kickers and punters was they trade. It's not exactly in the same lines as like the Cowboys trick play. Although the jet sweep to CJ ham this year, they ran a jet sweep on a third down to CJ ham, the fullback. And he was just immediately tackled. Oh. And then and there was another one where they tried in the playoff game to run a pass play from Jefferson to Kirk cousins, the slowest quarterback in the national football league. And guess what? He just got smacked and it didn't work. So, <laughs> All of actually every Vikings trick play completely failed this year. Delvin Cook tried to throw a pass at the goal line and he got stripped. But there are like other fails that are funny. Also, Blair Walsh uh, did a thing where a bunch of children like sent him all these notes saying, like, it's okay that you missed the field goal. And then there was like media attention for this. It was really funny. But I think one of my favorite fails ever was the Baltimore Ravens had this kicker slash punter, Corey Vedvik. And I don't, there's no reason you should have any recollection of this. And of course they have Justin Tucker and they had an established punter who was Tucker's holder. So they were not keeping this player. So the Vikings were nervous about Dan Bailey in training camp because they're always nervous about kickers. And they traded for this guy, Corey Vedvik. Wow. And his first training camp practice there were like fans going crazy for every one of his field goals. It was like, all right, we got this freak who's going to kick and punt. Mike Zimmer said he might kick and punt. It was the, the whole thing was absurd. He gets into actual preseason games, misses like all of his field goals. And then they're like, maybe he's a punter. And then he punts out, kicks his coverage. The bills in a preseason game, return the punt for a touchdown. And it was over. They gave up a fifth round draft pick for the worst kicker slash punter and and uh it was an immediate fail all the way around so there's there's lot there's lots of i mean funny little fails on a daily basis from training camp uh there was a time where laquan treadwell dropped the pass or got yelled at or something in training camp one of the reporters tweeted it out and laquan responded by saying scream out my failures 
I don't even know what that means, but it was hilarious and we still say it. So yeah, I mean, you could go down a rabbit hole. If you go back and look at the 2021 handling of every late uh, half and end of game situation, lots of fails ensue there. Um, So yeah, their usage of timeouts during Mike Zimmer was hilarious. Uh, Yeah, there's, there's a lot of them. So that's a great, that's a great question. I don't know if it's anything quite to the level of what the Cowboys did putting Ezekiel (laughs) Elliott at center, but but that's a that's a good one. Vikings fails or something. People should tweet us uh, some some more that come to mind for them. Uh, but anyway, great stuff, Haley. Awesome, super fun article ranking the NFC quarterbacks analytically with context with Lamar Jackson. I struggled with the headline because that's what I wanted it to be, but yeah. that doesn't read that well. Uh, <laughs> but you're doing you're doing great work. It's great to have you. Another fun show, and uh, we will talk again next week. Awesome. Thanks. See you.